Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Good morning, Vietnam! I have you now. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Hello! My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. That's right, this is the 30-something movie podcast. And this time around, we are gonna be... You're not gonna be able to see any of it, but we're gonna be doing a whole lot of dirty dancing. Speak for yourself. There will be no dancing here. Okay, I am currently dancing right now. Mm. Uh, I, there's much I could say, but little I will. Well, allow me to know. apologize to your family now. That's fine. That's why I'm down in the basement. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, that's I. This may be the reason that I have a face for podcasting. Certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So this time around, we are talking about dirty dancing. Uh, but before we get into that. Uh, I have with me Bo and Pat. Hey, hey, hey. Gentlemen, how you doing? Well, man. Doing all right. fine. Doing all right. So we are in the middle of our month of what was going to be music and dancing and, and frivolity and, and all kinds of things, but it uh, got turned into two movies about music and dancing, and then uh, a show on the worst movies of 87, and then a show on Star Trek The Next Generation, which we probably will need to spend four or five hours talking about since it'll be our discussion of the entire series. I don't yes. know how we narrow that down into like an hour and a half to two hours. Very carefully. We're going to do our best. Maybe, yeah. maybe with a, if we have a phased tachyon pulse, we can, we can modify the, um, the deflector dish and yes. we can narrow our discussion down into two hours, or we can create a time loop that causes it to be an infinite discussion that only lasts two hours. Oh, I like that. I have no idea what I just said. That's solid logic, though. But I kind of feel like that's some of the same dialogue that the actors, when they got the scripts for Next Generation, I think I remember like watching a behind-the-scenes thing, and I think it was um, LeVar tech, Burton. Tech. Yeah, I think LeVar Burton said, you know what, they would just hand us these scripts, and it would have all this stuff in here, and I have no idea what they're talking about, but we just said it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the early drafts, all they would say is tech the tech, and then they would have to wait mm-hmm. for the people to insert the words from the Michael Okudas of the world. Yeah. So, so that'll be fun. Um, yes, it will. I don't know that we have any. Well, that we have any new movie news to talk about this time around. Although I, I will throw it out one more time, and Bo, you're apparently abandoning abandoning me because you've got some dumb excuse like a anniversary but yeah. there is there is the evening with bruce campbell coming up pat do you want to go uh, yeah i gotta see i saw the things going back and forth what what is what is this entail and it's, when is it it's gonna be it's gonna be friday night september 1st okay. and it's gonna it's bruce campbell on stage and he's just he's kind of talking about his career and movies and tv shows and and then they're going to have like a, a live trivia thing going on, and then you get an autographed copy of his autobiography. Okay. So I think I, it's going to—I think it's going to be similar to like the Mel Brooks thing, but just not quite as famous as Mel Brooks. Gotcha. I, I hate to do this to you, John. I don't want to incur any wrath, but I might have to be like a a definite maybe on that one. Okay. Otherwise, otherwise, I got to go by myself, and then that's just sad. And then I have to tell everybody that Pat was the one that made me go by myself. You see, John, I hate to say it, but I have an <laughs> Irish mother, so guilt trips. Guilt doesn't work on you? Don't okay. work on me. Okay. All right. Well, I'll think of something else. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, and I had, uh, I did, my brother originally was interested in going and then he found out when it was and he's like, eh, no, I can't make it up for that. And so, so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm like, Bo apparently thinks that his anniversary is more important than this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, let me. I shall look into the date, and I will. Uh, I will get back to you. Okay. All right. If if you don't, that's fine. I'll just go by myself, and then if they actually videotape it, all you'll just see this one. You know, like big fat guy sitting there crying. 
Well, we're talking oh, about live events related to the podcast. Yeah. I've, I've mentioned this to Pat already, but August 17th, that Star Trek The Next Generation podcast I've discussed, The Greatest Generation, mm-hmm. has a live taping at Lincoln Hall in Chicago where they will be discussing the movie First Contact. Oh, really? Yeah. And when is that? August 17th? August 17th. So school's sort of started for us. Okay. Um, I already have a pair of tickets. Um, originally, my, it's funny. What made me think of it was originally my brother and I were going to go, but he is not as interested as I thought he was going to be. Okay. So I do have one extra ticket. Okay. And then... Tickets are still available. All right. Yeah. Let me let me think about that. Um, actually, I had to look at the date and find out when because that's um, before we start back at school every year. I always take like a day with John and we'll go out somewhere and we'll do something he wants to do, and then I'll take a day with Nora and then we'll go out and do something she wants sure. to do for that day. And so we discovered, I think it was an email that I got somewhere that during the month of August, the is it either Regal or Marcus Cinemas are re-showing all four um, or three and a half, however you want to say it, Indiana Jones movies. Oh, right on. Uh, throughout, the week of, uh, throughout the month of August. So he has seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, and he's also seen Last Crusade. I didn't quite think he was ready to see Temple of Doom yet. I can understand that. So, I'm not ready to see that even now sometimes. Right. So, so, but I think, it's, I think it's Monday the 14th. Um, they are that week, the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th. I think that's their re-showing. Um, that's when they're going to do Temple of Doom on the big screen. So I think we might end up going to see it uh, on one of those days. So if this other thing is the 17th, then I might possibly be able to do that. I'll have to, I'll have to let you know. But yeah, so, so that might be our Indiana Jones week. All right. Well, if anybody else is interested in going to the evening with Bruce Campbell thing, um, I have, I've seen a few things on like other things he's done kind of in this vein. I guess he's done some stuff when they had the evil dead musical that was going, uh, he would show up sometimes and do kind of like a, a miniature version of his evening with Bruce Campbell, or he would do these at, at comic book conventions. And, um, you know, and I've read a couple of his biographies, so I'd, he's, he's a funny guy anyway, even when he's not in his movies and, and I've made a, I've made an attempt to go back and find as many of his movies I haven't seen as I could. And okay. I, I have, I've, I've procured myself a copy of um, the entire run of Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Mm-hmm. So I have Love all it. of those, have not had a chance to start watching them yet, but that'll be, that, that's in my queue. Um, I watched, for the first time, I went back and watched uh, Bubba Hotep. And that was a fun one. Have you guys ever seen that one? I have not. No. Okay. It's, uh, I'll give you the premise of the movie, and then you can decide. And, and just keep in mind, it's Bruce Campbell. But I'll give you the premise of the movie, and then you decide if you want to see it. And if you want to see it, I've got a copy of it on DVD. Um, it is uh, Bruce Campbell plays an aged uh, Elvis Presley, who is alive and well in a southern uh, retirement home. And uh, he, his neighbor down the hall is an African-American John F. Kennedy, who also lives in the retirement home. <laughs> and they have to fight this evil undead mummy that for some reason is showing up and uh, stealing the souls of the people of the elderly people that live in the retirement home. Oh, it's kind of fun. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. So do you think Bruce Campbell liked horror movies always? Or do you think it was the evil dead series that got him going? I get, I get the feeling he just enjoys being a B movie actor. Okay. I, I almost get the feeling free from reading some of his biographies. I kind of get the feeling that he, and I, I think he's said this, although in his biographies, you can never quite tell when he's being serious. Um, I get the sense that while he would still jump at the chance to be in a, like a big Hollywood movie that, you know, would make him lots of money and things like that. I kind of feel like he enjoys the, you know, the, the maybe lower pressure of being a B movie actor. And that he and I think I, th- I think for him it seems like it's he enjoys rather being the king of the B movies as opposed to being a smaller bit actor in A list Hollywood movies. Okay. So 
And I don't know. I mean, most of what I've seen him in has been the horror. But again, we've got the Briscoe County Junior that I, I still haven't watched yet. And then I also got a copy of, was it just one season? I think it was just one season, a show called Jack of All Trades. Hmm. And it was him. He's kind of an American spy. And he's got a, a woman who's a British spy who's kind of like his his sidekick. And they they meet all kinds of historical figures. I think it's supposed to take place during the late 1700s, early 1800s. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's still got his kind of humor in it. And, and then I just bits and pieces kind of, I never really watched Hercules and Xena, but I know he was a recurring part on those shows. So I'm, I'm trying to go back and, and find some of his movies that I haven't seen. And I'm trying to kind of track those down and, and watch those before I go to this thing in September. But but if there's anybody out there who's a big Bruce Campbell fan and you happen to live anywhere near Chicago, this thing on September 1st, um, the last time I looked, there are 65 tickets left, maybe. So if you're interested in going, 65 tickets. Doesn't look like it's too bad. Get a free book out of it. And I'm all for free books. So unless you want the ticket to be free and the book costs you $30. So however you want to look at that. But... I know. I've, I've, yeah. So I've, I've always liked Bruce Campbell stuff. And, you know, I, I, to me, he's like a modern fourth three stooge. <laughs> so I, and I just, I come, I've always liked his stuff and I'm a big fan. So, so that'll be fun. I'm going to go to that and that'll be, that'll be fun. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, Briscoe County junior stuff because you know, after you guys have talked about it, I mean, I remember seeing previews for it back in the day and maybe like flipping through the channels. I would see a few minutes of it, but I never actually sat down and watched full episodes. And John back up. Um, you said it's in your queue. Where did you find it? No, I, I got a copy of it. Gotcha. Like okay. it's in, in my actual physical queue to, to be able to watch. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I got, I got electronic copies of it. So I've got that ready to go. That'll be my, when I go to the gym, that's my thing. I'll watch mm-hmm. those. Um, and cool. I did watch, I did finish watching the first season of Ash versus evil dead. What'd you think? It, if, if the most I can give it is like four or five stars, <laughs> I would go steal stars from something else <laughs> and tack those to the end of it. Isn't it just fun? It, it's just fun. It's everything that I love about the other Evil Dead movies. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just, just more. Like all the stuff that I, and, and I like that it's a half hour each. I, I think that's exactly. the perfect amount. Because there are times where the whole B-movie, Bruce Campbell thing, if it tries to go on for too long... Like if I sat down and one right after the other tried to watch Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness, mm-hmm. I think it might be a little too much. Sure. But in half hour pieces, and, and the other supporting characters in that show are hilarious too. Aren't they just good? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. Now I have to go track down season two. Is season two, are they still in season two? No, just finished. Oh, just finished. Okay. All right. Yeah, I was able to get the uh, first season from the library, so I'm going to have to so wait. Until... It's awesome. Okay. There is, there is no doubting that. And just, it's like, it's not, and Pat, just in case you, in case you go to watch it, I, I'm not going to give anything away. Okay. But it, it's just, to me, it's just hilarious because you, you normally think of a, you know, you've got this hero and he's going to do whatever he possibly can to make sure that good prevails, and that's just not him. Mm-mm. It's just like, it, even if, even if it means that good doesn't win, sometimes he's just going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to take the easy way. So, Funny. yeah, no, I, I, I love that show. It was great. So I can't wait it, for, I yeah, gotta, I gotta find season two. All right. Well, shall we jump on into dirty dancing? Woo-hoo. Okay. Yes. All right, let's do it. Um, so this time we'd be lift on in then. Uh, if we can get the lift right this time. Now, the last few times we practiced it, I, I mean, I didn't want to say anything, but I would prefer it next time, Bo, if when you and I practice this, if we could do it in the lake. Yeah, see, I'm a big on the wet t-shirt contest, so I don't know about that. Okay. All right. I mean, it just was, it was a, it was a little tough not having a lake around. I can understand, but I mean, you know, 
Jennifer Gray in a wet t-shirt, you and I in a wet t-shirt. There's a little bit of a difference there. It's not quite the same. No, not, not quite the same. Bit. It's just a, a, a little, a little, a little off, a little different. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this time around, we are talking Dirty Dancing. If you have not seen it, um, you apparently are not female and you haven't been around for the last 30 years. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, go see it and then come on back. But uh, Dirty Dancing came out August 21st, 1987, rated PG-13, was an hour and 40 minutes. Director for this one was Emil Ardolino. He died in 1993. He also directed Sister Act and Three Men and a Little Lady. Uh, producer on this one was Linda Gottlieb. She also was the executive producer of One Life to Live and several TV movies and ABC after-school specials. The writer for this one was Eleanor Bergstein. She also wrote It's My Turn and Let It Be Me. Music was done by John Morris, who also did music for The Producers, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Clue, and Spaceballs. The budget for this one... me while I whip this out. Sorry. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I had to uh, to change the password or combination of something because John Ezra figured it out not that long ago. And while I'm sitting there, he's like trying to watch me. I said, don't watch me. I'm, I'm changing the password here. And he's like, well, I'm going to be able to figure out what it is. I said, you know what? I'm going to change it to something so easy you wouldn't even think of it. I'm going to change it to one, two, three, four, five. That's the combination an idiot would have in his luggage. That's amazing. That's the same combination I have on my luggage. <laughs> All right. So this one got uh, was a budget was six million dollars, and it made it made a few a few little dollars here and there. It made two hundred fourteen million. Yeah, just a, just a few bucks. So just a little bit. And uh, th- this kind of, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but um, that kind of goes to show you the movie executive people, when they first saw some of the early drafts of this movie, um, they originally wanted to have it be a straight-to-video movie because they thought it was going to be a total flop. Because they got that wrong. Shows, All this dancing. You know, shows what they know. That. Right. Um, all right, so Jennifer Grey plays Baby Houseman, ba- Francis Baby Houseman. Uh, she was in Red Dawn, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Patrick Swayze, who died in 2009, played Johnny Castle. He was in The Outsiders, Roadhouse, Red Dawn, Ghost, Point Break, and Donnie Darko. Jerry Orb. Castle's older uncle. That's true. Uh, and, and Frank Castle, the Punisher. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Orbach, who died in 2004, played Jake, Dr. Jake Hausman. Uh, he was in Law and Order, Beauty and the Beast, and Universal Soldier. Cynthia Rhodes played, played Penny Johnson. She was in Staying Alive and Flashdance. Jack Weston, who died in 1996, played Max Kellerman. He was in Ishtar, which I'm still having trouble finding to be able to watch for the worst <laughs> of 1987. Uh, Short Circuit 2 and the 1968 version of The Thomas Crown Affair. Jane Brucker played Lisa Houseman. She was in Stealing Home, Bloodhounds of Broadway. Kelly Bishop played Marjorie Houseman. She was in Solar Babies, Gilmore Girls, and Private Parts. Lonnie Price played Neil Kellerman. He was in Hot to Trot. Uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, and the director of several stage shows. Max Cantor, who died in 1991, played Robbie Gold. Uh, ironically, he was reincarnated as a Bears kicker. Um, <laughs> Good for him. There you go. Uh, he was in uh, something called Fear, Anxiety, and Depression. Uh, Charles Honey Coles, who died in 1992, played Tito Suarez. He was in Rocky II and The Cotton Club. And Wayne Knight played Stan. He was in Jurassic Park and Seinfeld. Critics gave this one a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience gave it a 90%. Uh, Pauline Kale of The New Yorker said, The dancing here brings out the sensual dreaminess of the songs. Dirty Dancing, what a great title. It's such a bubble-headed retro vision of growing up in the 60s, or any other time, that you go out of the theater giggling happily. And Jay Boyar of the Orlando Sentinel said, Although the plot is sometimes implausible, the movie's music, dancing, and romantic spirit carry a lot of it. In addition, Dirty Dancing has the virtues of a female main character, a bit unusual in a coming-of-age movie, and an interesting setting. Cinema Score gave it an A-. Uh, awards for this one. It won an Oscar and a Golden Globe for Best Music, Original Song, I've Had the Time of My Life. Baby is one listless summer away from the Peace Corps. Hoping to enjoy her youth while it lasts, she's disappointed when her summer plans deposit her at a sleepy resort in the Catskills with her parents. Her luck turns around, however, when the resort's dance instructor, Johnny, enlists Baby as his new partner, and the two fall in love. Baby's father forbids her from seeing Johnny, but she's determined to help him perform the last big dance of the summer.
is in the music. The music sets you dancing. The dancing sets her free. Best Wrong Pictures presents Dirty Dancing. She thought it would be just another summer vacation. Who's that? Oh, them. They're the dance people. But it turns out to be the time of her life. What's me now? Hey. I can't even do the merengue. He teaches her what she can do. I don't want you to have anything to do with those people again. Baby, I don't see you running up to daddy telling him I'm your guy. Well, with my father, it's complicated. I will tell him I... I don't believe you, baby. She shows him all he can be. You gotta stop it now. I know what I'm doing, Penny. I'm scared of everything. Most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. What they learn from each other feels too good to be wrong. Starring Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey, and Cynthia Rhodes. Get ready for the time of your life. Red Dawn had both Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey in it, and apparently because of their time together on that movie, they did not like each other so much. Huh. So there had to be, I don't know, I, I've, I've heard different things that either she thought he was kind of a jerk and, and he thought she was kind of a prima donna and they didn't like each other so much when, so when they were approached to star across from each other in this movie as love interests, then that originally did not go over so well. A lot of the stuff that like some of the more memorable moments in this movie were things that like uh, the director, I guess would just leave the camera rolling or he would start filming several minutes before they were really getting ready for the scene. And then they were just kind of like, getting in character and, and acting weird. So some of the scenes where like they're practicing, their dancing and they're crawling towards each other on the floor. Um, that was just them kind of warming up to get ready for the scene. And the director had been rolling the camera and he's like, Nope, I like it. We're just gonna keep it in. And apparently that cool. was several of the moments, several of the moments that we think of as like, Oh, that's, that's a dirty dancing scene. That's a moment from that movie. When we think of those, it's a lot of those times where it's just, they let the camera roll. They caught that stuff. And that's what they decided was, was going to make it into the movie. Uh, one of the other ones in the scene where they're practicing the dancing and, and he repeatedly has that move where he kind of runs his, uh, runs his hand down her arm and it kind of tickles her. Um, she, what that's actually her laughing. They had to do several takes of it because she kept laughing every time he'd do it. And the, his frustrated look is actually Patrick Swayze's frustrated look for, I, I don't want to have to do this scene again. Funny. Um, let's see. A couple of the other things. Oh, um, the actor Billy Zane was actually the first choice for Johnny, but he didn't have kind of the chemistry in the dance scenes with Jennifer Grey. Um, and they actually kind of, because they wanted them to fight a little bit, um, that's one of the reasons they thought that Patrick Swayze would be a good fit for Jennifer Grey in this movie because they didn't like each other um, at first. And so they actually, they were going to have Billy Zane do it, but then they switched him out for Patrick Swayze because they thought that uh, he was a better dance partner. So when they did the test screenings, so this, I kind of mentioned this earlier, they did the test screenings and originally they, the, uh, the distributor for this movie said, you know what, this is horrible. We're not putting this out in theaters. We're not going to pay to do that. Let's just either put this out direct to video. Uh, one of the producers thought this was so horrible. Uh, he reported, he reportedly told somebody, you know what, just burn the negative and collect the insurance. This is going to be a horrible movie. Hmm. So shows what they know. Um, uh, Clearasil at the time wanted to be a promotional partner of the movie because um, they thought maybe it would be a good way to reach uh, teenagers um, who would be their primary target. But they wanted the abortion subplot to be cut out from the movie if they were going to be um, a promotional partner. And so the director and everybody else kind of said, no, that's kind of a, a big subplot of the movie. So we're not going to cut that out. So Clarisil decided not to throw their money in that direction. So here's kind of a, an interesting thing that I read and I was looking up some stuff on this movie is that a lot of people see this as a movie where it's like an ugly duckling gets the guy. So you have this girl that starts out and you know, she transforms into this great dancer and everything. But 
in one thing I was reading, the writer of this movie, um, Eleanor Bergstein, Bergstein, said that she hates it when people refer to the movie in that way because she sees it as Baby is actually the strongest character in the movie and everybody else changes around her. Okay. And I don't know if I'd ever thought of it that way. Watching it this time around, and I, I'll admit, I've only seen this movie maybe a couple of times, three maybe three times at most. Um, but in watching it this time, I, it was it kind of, I don't know if it's because I've seen a whole bunch of movies lately where it's a, a strong female character, like we just watch wonder woman and, um, you know, just watched the, uh, alien covenant had a strong female character in it. And, you know, so I've seen a lot of those lately. So maybe that was just more on my mind as I watched it this time, but, but I don't know. I mean, it's, is this for either of you guys, is this the first time you saw this movie? Definitely not. Okay. My wife loves this movie. I've seen it more times than I can count. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I think John, I'm more with you. Like I've seen it maybe three or four times. It's definitely not more than I can count. But yeah, and and, and uh, the reason I saw it was uh, because my wife's a fan, and we watched it early on. Yeah. And that was kind of something that came up too, is that in a couple of different websites, as I was looking some stuff up on this and, and my wife said the same thing. She's like, oh yeah, I remember watching this as a kid. And then, you know, my, my cousin and I, we would dance around to this movie and, and, and we were talking about it too. We're like, you know, this probably is a movie that kids shouldn't see, but for some reason, a whole bunch of, and I, I found similar stories in, in websites where I looked up information on this movie. It was most of the people writing this stuff were female bloggers or reporters and they were saying they had almost the exact same story that my wife did. It was, I watched this as a kid. I didn't get all of the subplot stuff that was going on. I didn't get what was going on necessarily between Johnny and baby. I just liked the music and I liked the dancing and I'd watch this movie and I would imitate the dancing. And as a kid, that that's what I did. And so that to me is kind of like, I, I keep hearing that as like the main draw to this movie is it was just a movie all about dancing. Mm-hmm. So I guess that here's certainly a, seems to be the overarching theme yeah. that people take away. Whether that was how it was intended, I'm not so sure. So here's I guess here's one here's my question for us then. We have all seen this movie because our wives like this movie. Do we like this movie? Yeah, man, Patrick Swayze, man, that guy's a stallion. Oh, I, yeah. I, I tell you, you know what? He's uh, he's fun to watch. He can dance. He can fight. I mean, yeah, it's fun watching this movie. Bo, you've seen it more than the rest of us. Is this even though I know you said you've seen it several times, but primarily because your wife is a big fan? Do you also like the movie as much as she does? I do. I think it holds up because it is it. All the themes are timeless. Um, I think the music is solid. I think the the girl or boy from the wrong side of the tracks is a timeless theme. I think it it's just a feel good movie. There's nothing by the time the movie's over, you know the. The father realizes that he's not the worst, that uh, that Johnny's not the worst thing in the world. You get the, there's no, nobody puts baby in the corner. You get that scene. You get the whole, the whole gamut of feel good by the time it's over. There's no reason not to like it at that point. And the soundtrack's really good. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like it's not just the one or two songs. Like that is a solid soundtrack from the jump. Well, and apparently that kind of put the, that took them by surprise too. That when they when the movie came out, they were surprised at how much of a hit it was. And then they put out the soundtrack, and I guess the soundtrack sold some ridiculous number of copies. And so then they put out a, a second soundtrack with more music from the movie. I guess they had just picked a few of them and put them on the original soundtrack. And then when people went nuts for it. Um, then they said, oh, okay, well then we're going to put another one and call it more dirty dancing and we're going to put more music in the movie. And, and I guess some of the things that I read was it really, maybe this movie in particular kind of sparked a 
resurgence in people's interest in oldies. Yeah, I could see that. And to me, that was something I never picked up before. Like I, and I know I've seen this movie a few times, but I never, until I was reading something on it, um, maybe about a year ago, or it might've been, it might've come up as a question in, in trivia when we went to trivia one night, I never realized this movie took place in the sixties. Mm, okay. That was something like from the beginning of the movie, I missed I out of the times that I'd seen this before, and it's been years since I've seen this. I think I just missed the parts where they're talking about how John F. Kennedy hasn't been killed yet. And you know, that it's, it's the 1960s. It's, and, it's a quick throwaway line at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. We were talking when it came on. Um, I actually ended up watching a version that was playing on Comcast this week. Okay. Um, so I saw what was technically called the special edition. Okay. I guess there's some longer scenes and other things. But that the whole thing about the time period, it happens in the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've even seen that part of this movie. I've seen this movie countless. Right. Countless times. But never... I shouldn't say never, but not in a long time have I seen it from the beginning. Well, and I wonder if that, I mean, you, you said that, you know, this still holds up. It's a lot of these things are, are timeless about it. And I wonder if that's, if that line wasn't there in the beginning of the movie, you wouldn't even, I don't know if you'd even be able to tell other than maybe the cars and maybe some of the ways that people are, are dressing, but I don't even think you'd be able to tell what year this is supposed to be in. Cause you're off on this resort somewhere and you know, you well, it's, go it's off to a resort and you're kind of, you're kind of secluded at this resort anyway. And it's funny you bring that up because one of the things I discussed this time watching it was do resorts like that still exist. Hmm. And they talk about, you know, it's in the Catskills, it's mm-hmm. in, you know, upstate New York or whatever. And, which is another thing I didn't pick up on this movie and I thought was kind of interesting was apparently, and, and if, if all the stuff that I read is accurate, resorts like this were started because of persecution that Jewish people were experiencing trying to stay at regular hotels in cities mm-hmm. and places. So they created these resorts that were you know, primarily or, or exclusively Jewish resorts that they could go to. And I never, again, watching this years ago, I never picked up on the fact that pretty much everybody at this resort is Jewish. Yeah, it is kind of, uh, and that it's, it's kind of a, some of it's almost a, a Jewish versus Gentile thing with the, the, Mm -hmm. you know, the people staying at the resort versus the people working there. Yeah. Yeah. I never, never really picked up on that before, before I started doing a little bit of reading on it and, and, and figured that out. So, I mean, there's, Definitely different levels to this movie that I had not experienced before. Well, and it's it's definitely one of those movies that makes you wonder, okay, so you can read about it now and you hear about these levels that you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Were they intentional or was it just part of the storytelling back then? Right. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but it certainly makes you think for a minute. Is that something that, when they wrote it, were they intending to do that? And I think that can be said about a lot of the movies we review. Is 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 what we're taking from it something that was intended, or just something that you take from it thirty years later? Right. So, yeah. do we have uh, with this movie in particular? Do we have any favorite scenes in particular that kind of you know? Wow. Bo, you said you've seen this a whole bunch of times. Pat, you said you've seen it. <laughs> About as many times as I have. Uh, are there any scenes in particular? Well, you hit on a couple of numbers. Yeah, the big final number is the big wrap it up thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, punching the hole in the punching the hole through the window to get to his car keys. That was mm-hmm. pretty funny. Yeah, that was a good one. I think you hit on it when you talked about those improv scenes that we all talk about that are so classic to this movie, mm-hmm. but you find out later weren't part of the script. Um, I think those are all classic scenes that you remember, like the, the crawling on the floor. I mean, without that scene, I think without that scene, this movie does go straight to DVD mm-hmm. or I'm sorry, VHS back then. Yeah. You get the idea. 
because um, that that scene is awesome. I, um, I read in the original theatrical release the uh, love scene is different. The first okay. time they get together, quote unquote, is very different in the theatrical release um, than the special edition that I watched. Okay. Um, I. So those 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 two scenes are definitely stand out in my head for sure. And then obviously the you know what puts baby in the corner and everything from there to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably the the scene with baby and her dad. After which one where she's asking for the money or after no, 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 no. Later than that, where, where you, you, uh, how does she word it? I lied to you. I'm sorry, but you lied to me. That yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then after that, she, you disappointed me. Uh, she says it even better later, but yes, that whole scene there. I mean, that's just, that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. It's because I think it, it, a lot of people, feel that way about their parents or about you know their situation at one point or another i do like the scene when they go to the um uh what was the uh what was the name of the other resort um oh yeah the hotel yeah the dance yeah oh, it's like something drake hotel not drake hotel but like Pembroke. the pen something Shandrake Hotel, something like that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. When they go there, and she's got to try to do the dance routine, and she she keeps messing up, but just like the way she messes up, and then she kind of like you know is a little goofy getting back into like okay, I messed up, but I got to get back to my next step. And um, that, I thought that part was kind of fun, where you know she's trying her best to, and she she misses the jump and misses all kinds of other stuff, but you can kind of tell that he's he's impressed with her that she's actually come that far. I don't think he expected that she'd be able to pull off any of this, but right. There's just so much great stuff in this movie. You mentioned that scene, which made me think about the fact that the whole thing with the old couple is the wallet thief. Mm-hmm. It's sort of thrown away at the end because of all the other stuff that's happening. But just the fact that they weave that through, that you see the old couple at the hotel and then they turn out to be the wallet thieves. And mm-hmm. Like, there's just a lot of depth to the movie that sometimes even I forget about as many times as I've seen it. You know, I'm not. They, I was just thinking like, what purpose did that have it be that they were the wallet thief? And it was like, okay, well, you know, they needed to somehow she needed to vote for him and, and all that. But it was like, you're right. They didn't need to go to all that length of, having the other wallet thieves and then he's accused of a crime and all this kind of, they didn't need to go to that level of depth to have her vouch for him and, and, right. and let her dad know that she'd been sleeping with him. Right. But they did. You're, you're, yeah. Which oddly enough, the, the old woman who was the wallet thief was originally supposed to be played by Dr. Ruth. Oh, no. Nah, and, and she turned it down because she didn't want to be portrayed as a thief. That's funny. So, but apparently she was the woman. She was the person that they wanted to be, uh, to have a cameo in the movie as the wallet thief. That's funny. That's funny Cause that's even, that's better. If that's Dr. Ruth. I, mm-hmm. I like that. So do you, I mean, we, and we, we mentioned that there are just so many songs in this movie and so many great songs, the soundtrack. Do you have a favorite song from the soundtrack? Ooh, Wow. That's, I know that's kind of a horrible question to just spring on you like this, but. I'm going to say, before we get into the favorite songs, yeah. one thing that strikes me as odd is what year did the the tune I've had the time of my life actually come out? 87. And then. Yeah, what it was about, written for the movie. Yeah. And then what about Hungry Eyes? Uh, I think that one was mid 80s, early 80s, yeah. maybe. So the two big tunes for the, I just find that interesting. And I mean, I guess yeah. if, if I was, you know, when you're in the eighties, okay, you got to throw something in to, to kind of cater to the modern audience. But that was interesting. And that, that kind of always struck me as a little odd. 
probably because I saw it when I was older. Mm-hmm. But it struck me as a little odd. It's like, okay, it's set back in the 60s. You got all this like ballroom dance. You got the Mambo stuff. You got this. You know, you got all the 60s rock music that they're they're doing the, the bump and grind dirty dancing to when it's just the workers. But then the big final song and the love song, it's like kind of, what would it be, an anachronism? You know, it's just a little bit too modern. And it's like that... I don't want to say it took me out of the movie, but I was, I, that was always kind of eyebrow raising when I heard that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great tunes. I'm not going to, I'm not dissing the tunes, great tunes, but just that was always a little bit odd. Yeah. I looked it up. Uh, Hungry Eyes came out in 87. So same year the movie came out. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So you, you, two of your biggest musical parts, musical pieces in the movie are from the eighties, whereas everything else is older 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. Wow, even she's like the wind. Yeah. Which is the, you know, the, there's so much, again, it's back to the depth, but there's so much coolness there. I mean, she was like the wind. Patrick Swayze performed that for the soundtrack. and Just, just so much going on in this movie. I'm going to drop in. Um, I found a website that lists every song that's in the movie. Okay. So when I post this episode on our blog, I will include that. Uh, probably I'll, I'll probably tweet it out too. But uh, just if people are interested, because there is so much great music in this movie, uh, if you're interested in wanting to track down all the different songs. And the nice thing about this website is they, and I don't know which version of the movie they're going off of here, but um, they show you what minute this song is featured in, and they kind of give you a quick little description of you know, this is the song from the opening titles or, um, you know, baby goes to the dance class taught by Penny for the first time. And it's the merengue. And, um, you know, they have uh, love man by Otis Redding is 17 minutes in the second song played at the party. Um, when he, when Johnny gives her a, a brief dancing lesson. So they, I mean, they have a whole description. They've got links to where you can go get these on iTunes or Amazon if you want to, or just listen to them right there. Um, but I thought this was kind of a cool list. Just to be able to see yes, that is cool. all the different songs that are on here. So I will I will tweet that out and I will include that on our blog when we post this up. Cool. Well, did either of you guys see the remake that they did? What was it like last year or a couple oh, years ago? God. I, I heard it was bad. So bad. Now I worked was in a movie the theater TV and I one or was that the Havana Nights? No, the Havana yeah, Nights no, the Havana TV Nights one. was two thousand four, because I was actually working in a movie theater in college. Uh, when that movie, when the Havana Nights one came out and I mean, I didn't see it. I, I saw bits and pieces of it having worked in the projection booth, but, um, you know, it, the Havana Nights one, I guess was supposed to be kind of a prequel. It was supposed to take place in maybe like the fifties. Okay. Or, yeah. Or even earlier in the sixties. I don't I, cause I think this is pretty early on, but, um, but yeah, that one was 2004. I, apparently there was a, was it an ABC TV movie mm-hmm. version of it that came out maybe like last year or 2015? Um, I never watched it. And I, I think, you know, even though Sharon, Sharon likes this movie, I don't think she had any interest in watching the, the TV movie version of it. Uh, but did you, Bo, did you end up seeing it? Parts. Okay. And it's as bad, bad as, it's as bad as everybody says? That is the general consensus, at least in this okay. household. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Tammy was Tammy either avoided it like the plague, or yeah, yeah, same thing. That not, not a fan. You, okay. yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was definitely avoided. It was watched, but not enjoyed. Okay. All right. Well, if there's anybody out there who watched it and did enjoy it, you can let us know what you liked about it. Because the consensus here is we either avoided it and didn't watch it, or watched parts and didn't like it. So. All right. Well, do we have anything else we want to say about Dirty Dancing? If no, I've seen it. You should. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's got there's a lot of depth to the characters, the themes, the themes especially. There's mm-hmm. a lot happening in this movie. There's a lot and a lot more going on than I would have expected from a movie about dancing in the 80s. Mhm. Yeah. It definitely takes that to a whole other level. There's mm-hmm. just a lot going on in that hour forty minutes. Yeah, it's it's definitely. I mean, I'm I'm. This is I'm I'm stating something that's like a well, duh. But it's definitely not fluff. I mean, it's it's a it's a well acted. It's a it's a very good movie. Yeah, I, and it, I mean, it's probably 
it's probably one of my favorite um, Patrick Swayze roles. Oh, sure. Of all of his other, well, I guess I guess that would be a good question too. Is there another Patrick Swayze movie uh, that you, a performance of his that you've enjoyed? That that I've enjoyed, yeah. or that yeah, like, like is what, as good as this one? What's what's another what's say, another favorite? I enjoy him in Point Break, but mm-hmm. you know that's a whole other. That's apples and oranges. Yeah, and it's yeah in Point Break he was awesome, but that was a whole other deal. Yeah. Roadhouse, he's pretty awesome in Roadhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did either of you guys ever watch the show just right before he died called The Beast, where he's a cop in Chicago? No. Okay. No, that was either. that was pretty good. We watched that. Um, he was like a veteran cop that I, I think was kind of maybe a little corrupt. And um, it, it, it reminded me a little bit of like Training Day, the movie. Okay. Uh, okay. But he wasn't, I don't think he was, you know, as quite as corrupt as, as, you know, in training day, but, um, and then being able to see the different locations cause they were filming in Chicago, uh, to be able to see the different locations in the show. Um, but I think I want to say that was right before, I don't know if he did anything else after that. That was right before he passed away. Well, and you can't forget his performance in ghost. I mean, I right. I, I think I was going to, I think that's my other one. That uh, it's certainly the one you think about and the one you remember when you mm-hmm. look up his filmography. There's a lot of performances on there that you don't even think about. Yeah, but if you say Patrick Swayze, I mean, you think Dirty like, Dancing, you think Ghost. I had totally forgotten that he was in uh, Tu Wong Fu. Exactly. Yeah, I think Point Break. I do remember him in Point Break. That's definitely one that will always stick with his me. part. I do, and and his part in Donnie Darko was always funny. Yes, as the motivational Actually, speaker. The thing like. He has done some really funny little things over the years mm-hmm. or, or just little parts that if you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah. But when you say Patrick Swayze, it's not the first thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the North and South TV series. Mm-hmm. Maybe those as well. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, so I think our consensus is if you've not seen Dirty Dancing, go see it. Yeah. yeah, we kind of fell into the, the, the trap of really good movies. There's just not much to say other than the favorite scenes and yeah. really good soundtrack and just totally see it. You know, because, I mean, this, this just really was a, just an excellent movie. Yeah. And, I t- you know, and, and it, it's got one of my favorite lines that I reuse whenever I have the opportunity is that nobody puts baby in a corner. Oh, yeah. And I, because I, the type of person I am is I like to do things that make myself chuckle. Mm-hmm. And I, they don't need to make anybody else chuckle, but as long as it makes me chuckle, then I'm okay with that. And there have been several times where, like, I will go into Nora's room and she's got some of her dolls stuffed in a corner somewhere when she was supposed to clean her room. And I will pick it up and I will hold up the doll and I will say, Nora, nobody puts baby in a corner. And she's like, okay, I'll put it somewhere else. I'm like, Nora, hold on. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Okay, I'll, I'll put it somewhere else then. <sighs> Yeah. I need to find somebody that understands the reference and, but it, I chuckled and, and I amused myself and that's really all that matters. All right. So, but you just brought up an interesting Avenue, something we talk about once in a while on this podcast mm-hmm. because of the themes of this movie. When she's 35. Okay. That's kind of where I was going. <laughs> with that. I wasn't expecting 35, yeah, but no. you know, um, yeah, I don't know because that was and that was something that that my wife brought up too that she watched this at a really young age and watching it and watching it again kind of feels like she probably was too young but at the same time she didn't pick up on a lot of that other stuff that was going on in the mm-hmm. movie. It just, they didn't even know what it what it was. So it's right. like you don't even know what you don't know, so you're just focusing on the dancing part and that's what's cool. And then she mentioned how when she would watch it, her younger cousin would watch it too. So, I mean, she was pretty young to begin with. And then this younger cousin was also watching it and they just watched it and liked it for the music and the dancing and didn't get everything else that was going on, you know, when they watched it at that young age. So I definitely wouldn't show it to Nora anytime soon, but you know, I probably, you know, probably by the time she's in middle school, maybe. Okay. But yeah, no, I think, I mean, the other stuff, I just think, 
Yeah, I, I think maybe that'd be more me as an adult being worried about. Well, I mean, we'll I, I give you an example of we were watching um, Little House on the Prairie uh, tonight because mm-hmm. we watched we were going through and watching all the they've read all the books and now we're going through and watching all the seasons, and we got to an awkward episode. Uh, there was an episode I think we're in season seven right now, and there was an episode where um, a girl in the town who is um, Kind of like the girlfriend of Albert, the boy that the Ingalls family has adopted. Um, mm-hmm. And she gets assaulted in the woods and she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, the the kids are there watching and, and Nora turns and asks the question. She's like, well, well, how did, why, how is she pregnant? She's not married. <laughs> mm. Okay. Um, well, some people put the, the cart before the horse. We're going to have that conversation a little bit later. Just, yeah. just, just let it be known that that that, that is possible that 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 could happen, and, and we'll talk about that later. So, I mean, even yeah, in that, and and that kind of surprised us because we're like, oh, we didn't realize that it was that episode. Sure. Well, and why would you? I mean, it's right. Yeah. So, I mean, and and stuff like that. You you watch that as a kid, and you just don't pick up on it as a kid. It's not even in your. It's not even in your vocabulary yet, so you don't even know exactly. what's going on. So, but at the same time, as a as an adult and as a parent, I would have a hard time showing Dirty Dancing to Nora at age six and a half. Oh yeah, definitely not oh, appropriate man. then. And That's, yeah, I'm definitely going to take her to Spider Man, but we're not going <laughs> to not going to well, do Dirty Dancing just yet. Let's, let's be honest; the themes in Spider Man are much simpler. That's true too, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do we have anything else other than go see it? Do we have anything else we want to say about Dirty Dancing? Not really. Really good movie. Okay. Good Patrick movie. Patrick Swayze is awesome. Good movie. Go see it. Yeah, um, he is. Patrick Swayze yeah. is awesome. Don't put baby in a corner. Don't put baby in a corner. All that good stuff. And you know what? And, and you know what? I mean, this is why I think this movie isn't just like a chick flick. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's it's very popular popular with women, obviously. But I mean, you know, you have uh, uh, Patrick Swayze is a really he's a character that guys can get behind, and it's not just like oh yeah, he's a completely unbelievable. You know, he's 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 a human being character. Right. You know, the the dad the daddy daughter relationship I think is is one that like you said that conversation was a pretty powerful one and pretty poignant when she sits down to talk with him. Okay. He's kind of a, a three dimensional character that, you know, you can get behind, um, you know, all the different subplots, whether they were there by design or not, that will keep somebody's interest. I mean, it's, it's a really, really well done movie. I completely agree. Yeah. So absolutely. All right. So if you have not seen this yet, don't know what you've been doing with your life, but go see it. Um, and, and as, Pat just said, we can attest that even though a lot of times I think this gets pegged as a quote chick flick, uh, we are three guys and the three of us have enjoyed this movie and will continue to enjoy this movie. Um, so go check it out. Yeah. I, I, I don't think, I don't think I would label it a chick flick. I know a lot of people do, but, uh, no. I think that's a, I think that's not a good label for it. So no, I, so. I, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, we are at 30 podcasts is three zero podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're, our website is 30 podcast.com. We are at 30 podcast on Twitter, on Facebook. We're also 30 podcast. We are on Stitcher, Satchel, Google play, iTunes, 30 podcast.com. You can listen to us there too. And we also have, uh, what everybody has deemed affectionately. The love line that you can call in is, uh, eight, seven, two, three, five movie. 8723566843 if you want to call in and leave us a message um you know some of us have done that from time to time when we couldn't make it to a show and so uh, feel free to leave us some feedback that way if you're wanting to kind of get ahead of this a little bit um what we've got coming up for the rest of July we might have one or two uh, other things thrown in there as well uh if there's time but at the very least we're going to have our worst movies of 1987 Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll have that episode. We're also going to do a review of Star Trek, the next generation, the TV series, which started in 1987, but we'll be talking mm-hmm. about, we'll just say uh, an extended episode and we'll talk about the whole series that ran from 87 to 94. And, um, so yeah, so if you've got any, uh, if you've got any 
questions or comments or things you'd like to chime in with for either of those, the worst movies of 87, uh, which the worst movies include Jaws, the revenge Leonard part six. Um, who's that girl? Let's say I got to go to my list now. Um, it was, who's that girl? Tough guys don't dance. Ishtar. That might be it. That's, I think that's definitely enough, but that might be it. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So if you got any comments on those comments on Star Trek, the next generation, throw those our way. Uh, and then coming up in August, can't even believe we're already talking about August. Um, but, uh, coming up in August, well, also real quick, we are starting to plan for our 1988 movies that we're going to be covering next year. So if you've got a movie from 1988 that you would like to have us cover, uh, at some point next year, feel free to chime in and, and let us know. Um, otherwise coming up in August, I think that, uh, this will, this will kind of swing back into, um, you know, more, more Pat's vein of favorite movies. Uh, we're going to be doing war movies coming up in August. So we're going to be doing Hamburger Hill, uh, Empire of the Sun, Full Metal Jacket, Au Revoir Les Enfants, and Good Morning Vietnam. So Ooh, very def- good movies, and that's, that's, that's going to be a somber month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a whole lot of joking around maybe in August, but uh, no. Good Morning Vietnam, though. I mean, that's a, that's a, we'll throw that in the middle of the month, so it's a little bit of a, little bit of a break from the, uh, the seriousness of everything else. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and Sharon is now down here. Do you, do you want to come closer to the microphone? No, she doesn't. Okay. She was, when I mentioned that it was more movies, hi, Sharon. Bo says hi. Okay. She's down here. Like all of a sudden I can hear something out of the corner of my ear and she's over here going war. Huh? What is it good for? Absolutely. And this is why I married her. I was going to say, I knew I liked your wife. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yep. But she doesn't want to record that on the podcast. No, she doesn't want to get any closer to the microphone. So, I can see why. That's fine. That's all right. Smart um, like that. Yeah, you know. All right. So that's what we got coming up. Um, so if you have any feedback on any of that stuff, if you got 1988 movies that you want to suggest, uh, if you have anything coming up for any of those war movies that you want to uh, let us know about, then feel free to get in touch with us through our website, 30podcast.com, or any of those other uh, social media outlets. Um, otherwise, thank you both. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Um, and then we will we will see everybody very soon. Oh, and the other one, uh, we got our 150th episode coming up in not too much longer. Uh, I think we're about nine episodes away from that one at this point. And uh, so we're going to be talking about movie music in that one. So we might throw out, uh, might even throw out like a survey on our website just to see if anybody else wants to throw in maybe like their top five action movies or, or top five uh, drama movies or top five composers or things like that. Um, that's what I've started to do. I started to kind of make a list of this and, and I was trying to make it a little more difficult instead of doing a top 10, sticking to like a top five. So, so I'll, I'll share that Lord with you. Lord knows you've been good at those in the past. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I would just say my top five are going to, it's going to be like the, the rating that I give uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. Exactly. What rating would you give it out of five stars? Uh, seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. It'll be the this same thing. This one goes to 11. Right. Well, and see, I'm just I'm just channeling Smile Tap. That's all it is. Okay. All right. Well, in the meantime, thank you for joining us. Come on back next week. We'll be talking about either uh, the worst of 1987 or our Star Trek: The Next Generation show. Uh, so we'll have that for you next week. Not sure which one yet, but we'll we'll get that all worked out, and uh, we'll let you know on Twitter and Facebook and all those other places. Um, but in the meantime, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and maybe go take some dance lessons. Yeah. Do that. Take some dance lessons. I'm not going to because um, it's, it wouldn't help. Fair enough. I don't, think it, I don't think anything would change. All right. Well, in the meantime, thank you all for joining us, and we will see you back here next time. Bye now. Peace out. So we take each other's hand because we seem to understand the urgency.